Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Ginger London Ministry Show. I am Minister Ginger London. Thank you so much for joining us on today. As you know, we're doing a series uh, of interviews and special teachings to celebrate National Women's History Month, and we are celebrating women with the theme Created for Greatness. And this is our third radio interview on today. We've had some powerful interviews. And joining me on today is my very special guest, uh, Prophetess Sharita Berry, and she is doing some great and wonderful things for the kingdom of God and especially for uh, women in the body of Christ and in the community. And so we're going to talk a little bit about her here, some special teachings, uh, special teaching for women that she has. But we're going to dialogue a little bit with her. So once again, I want to welcome you. If you know anyone um, that you can contact or text uh, quickly, uh, let them know that uh we're going to be talking about women coming out of uh, abusive uh, situations, whether it's uh, domestic violence, sexual abuse, how to be an overcomer. Uh, because there are a lot of things that plague uh, the life of a woman. But uh, she's three, four, fifteen hundred 1,500 times stronger when she comes out of it. And she's Because we know the word says she's more than a conqueror. So we're going to start the show as we normally do with prayer. And then we're going to get right into uh, talking with our special guest. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you on this afternoon. We bless your name, O oh God. We just honor you on today. Father, I decrease as uh, you increase, Holy Spirit. We pray that every word that comes off of our tongues this afternoon will be on assignment, Lord God, that nothing is done in the flesh or in carnality, but that every ear that has an ear to hear the words that are released on assignment, Father, will hear them and will, the words will bring um, life-changing results into each ear that it falls into, Lord God. We thank you that it's falling on good ground and good soil and that it will return a hundredfold, Lord, and we just bless your name. Thank you for Prophetess burial on today, Lord God. I pray, Father, that as she shares her heart, it becomes transparent with the people in the radio audience. I pray, Father God, that you would richly bless her because your word says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Give her a great reward, Lord God, as we diligently seek you on this afternoon. We believe by faith. We set our faith in agreement. We love you, Lord God. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So welcome, Prophet Barry. How are you? I'm doing good today. I'm doing good. Good to be here once today. Wonderful. Bless you. Bless you. So I want uh, to tell the the audience a little bit about you, but then I'm going to leave uh, the rest of that good report um, up to you. Okay. uh, Okay. She um, is, is certainly uh, a woman of vision. She has so much that she is doing, and she has been called into the fivefold ministry. Um, she um, has a right now word for us, and that's what we're excited about on today. Her, she has a testimony uh, of the things that God can bring um, you out of. She is an overcomer from sexual abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, and an abusive relationship. The interesting thing, you know, uh, in all of that is how she can come out of that and still 
um, have a vision for women. You know, sometimes people go through things that become bitter and angry. But uh, she has a vision for women to be set free from all hurt, past pain, and other issues that many women face today. And so she has formed a um, various outreaches, uh, such as Road to Recovery, which is an outreach ministry for women of domestic violence and young ladies with a vision. Uh, she has Transition to Change. We'll talk about it a little later, uh, which is a transitional housing program for women and children. Um, and her motto is, let no one tell you what you cannot do, because with God, it is possible. And that's awesome. So uh, welcome to the show. Uh, and by all means, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself and give us some of your testimonies. Okay. Oh, well, first of all, I'm glad to be here on this evening. And I say hello to everyone that is listening. Um, I'm a single mother of six children. I call them my six blessings from the Lord. Um, I have three boys, three girls, ages eight, ages 23, and my youngest is getting ready to turn 13. Um, I just turned 40, as my sister always said, don't tell nobody my age. <laughs> but um, I'm glad that God doesn't look, let us look like what we've been through. And um, some, um, I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. I lived in Richmond, Virginia for 10 years. I moved from Maryland in 2003 to Richmond, Virginia. Um, God brought me there, and I lived there for 10 years. Now I reside in Durham, North Carolina, until God moves me someplace else. Um, Some of my testimonies are um, I was in a domestic violence relationship for seven long years. Um, It was seven years. I always say it was a cycle and the reason why I call it a cycle is because I kept getting out, coming back, getting out, coming back, getting out, coming back. Um, I was being mentally, sexually, emotionally abused, um, physically abused by my children's dad. And, you know, I, I I thought it was love, you know, like everyone, a lot of women that are in abusive relationships or have been in abusive relationships, I thought it was love, but found out that it wasn't um I the, how I got out of it was I went to church one day and um, Prophet Tall Hall he was at church and he said that there's someone in here that is in a relationship and you've been getting out but you've been coming back you've been getting out and you've been coming back but God said today let him get you out so that you can come back but before I go going with that as a result of me being in a abusive relationship. There were other things that I had experienced. I, I had was depressed, you know, so I suffered from depression while I was in an abusive relationship. I suffered from anxiety attacks at the the demise of being abused. Um, I, I thought I was going to die at one time, and I would stay up all night long, couldn't sleep because I thought, you know, if I closed my eyes, I was just going to be dead, you know, because I was just being abused so bad, I just didn't really, it was like all life for me was just totally gone. I didn't really care. And the only thing I had to hold on to was my children. And at the time, I only had um, the my four children, and I was pregnant with my middle daughter at the time. And But all that that was the only lifeline I had to hold on to. You know, I got saved when I was a teenager, like a lot of us did. Got filled with the Holy Ghost, 
speaking in tongues when I was a teenager, knew God, been brought up in church. I'm the fourth generation, you know, out of my me and my sister, my brother in a church in Maryland. So God is was in my blood, pushed, you know, deep within me. And the only thing that could help me get through that by me being in a recent relationship, having depression, suffering from anxiety attacks, was getting on my face every day, praying and crying out to God to help me. When I finally let God help me to get me out of the relationship, I never looked back since. I still dealt with the, you know, the the depression, the anxiety attacks. I still dealt with those issues. I had to take medication, and I became addictive to the medication, um, as a lot of people sometimes do, and I was codependency on the medication. And I recall how I got set free from, you know, those things was my mother had came over one time, um, and she took me to the story of Jehoshaphat, and and she read to me, that, you know, how God told King Jehoshaphat that the battle was not his, but the battle belongs to the Lord. So I read that story, and I kept reading it over, 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 and over, over again. And then it was like one day I woke up, and it was like all gone. The depression was gone. The anxiety was gone. And when I went to take the pills, it was like, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, throw them pills away because you no longer need them. Wow. So I threw the pills away, and it was like, if, if, you know, it was like you, I was, my mind was clear. And I finally went to sleep, and I woke up, and I felt so refreshed. And all I could remember saying was, thank you, God, for setting me free because I knew I couldn't. You know, I had children. I didn't want them to see me like this. And I always said, God, don't do it for me, but do it for my children. You know, because we as women, you know, what we go through, our children go through. Um, after I came out of that, um, I, you know, I still had struggles. You know, I still had, you know, things that I've been through. Um, I lived in a transitional house one time before with my children because I didn't have nowhere to go. You know, I couldn't stay with family members because to them I had so many kids and they didn't want to deal with them, you know, the fact that I had a lot of kids, a lot of children. So I went into a transitional shelter, me and my children. After that, I came out. Um, I know what it is to live in a roach-infested house. So it's as if I, I got delivered from being abused and went into bondage. You know, yes. That's you know. I, I I told a lot of people that it was like I went out of one situation, and I then I had to experience bondage at the same time. So I I know what it is to live in a wretched, infested house, and like Lord, please, I I can't live like this. And got delivered from that. Then I went to another bondage where so I um had to. Live, nobody is to live in a mice rat infested house. You know, having having kids, 
in like, Lord, okay, I came out of one bondage, now I'm going into another bondage. God, what is going on? You know, all this stuff that I went through. Then after that, you know, my children, um, I, you know, were put in foster care because, yet again, I didn't have no place to go, didn't have no house, you know, didn't have no home, didn't have no job, you know, didn't, you know, wasn't getting enough money. I was doing social services, getting a check and food stamps and medical assistance, and, you know, my kids had to go in foster care because I didn't have no place to go. They didn't stay in foster care that long, but they stayed in foster care for a short period of time, and they helped me find a place, and my kids came back home. And this all happened in Maryland. I moved from Maryland, and I had, it was like, Something on the inside of me said, you got to go. You know, I kept hearing this voice say, it's time to leave. It's time to leave. And I remember sitting at the table, and I was looking at the map, and all I could see was like four states. There were Virginia, um, New York, Texas, and California, and another one was Michigan. And I was like, okay, I keep hearing this voice, I got to go, I got to go, but I don't know where I'm going to. So the first thing that popped in my mind was Virginia, and I recall I was in a process of moving to Virginia, still dealing with a lot of things. You know, I still was dealing with so much, you know, on the inside because I wasn't healed, you know, from being abused because mm-hmm. I, I was still kind of forgiveness on the inside of me. I was still, my low, my low self-esteem was still, I mean, it was so low, I mean, very, very low because I, I really didn't myself, you know, but I cared enough to make sure my kids were, you know, up, kept my girl's hair done, clothes clean, things like that, but as for me, I didn't really care nothing about myself. I went to, moved to Richmond, Virginia. My family was like, well, how you going to go there? You don't got no money, you don't got no job, you don't got no car. How you going to live? You know, when you go to Virginia, you need a car to get around because they don't hardly got no buses and all this stuff to discourage me and not to go. But I kept hearing this voice on the inside of me, and I knew God, but I wasn't sure it was, if it was God telling me it was time to go. So I just left. I left with $239 in my pocket. Wow. You know, that's all I had. I took my kids. I had a house at the time. I left the house. I left the clothes. I told the kids, just take what you can. And my son, my son had got a little, you know, those little TV television you put batteries in for Christmas. And I told him, take that and put it in a box. And I went to the train station, the bus station, and my mother, she told me, she said, um, get a round trip ticket so you can come back. But the moment I got to the bus station, I went up to the counter, and I was about to tell the lady I want a round-trip ticket. I heard God speak in my ear. He said, get a one-way ticket because you're not coming back. And I said, okay, Lord. And I got a one-way ticket. I moved to Richmond, Virginia. And I, it, it was like I was still wasn't, you know, set free and delivered from some things because I was still holding on to a lot of stuff on the inside of me. And not only that, because of what I've been through, my kids had to see that mother go through these things. So I couldn't imagine, you know, what was going on in that little mind, in their world. And I moved there. 
and I lived there for 10 years, and it was as if it was predestined. You know how people say you got to get your get to your appointment on time? Mm-hmm. You have to make sure you get there on time. You cannot be late. Well, that's how I felt that I got there on time because I met some people, and it was like they knew I was coming. And they kept saying, you know, they kept telling me, well, God showed me you, and I knew you was coming, and I moved into a house. God made sure I had a house when I got there. Wow. But I was still, you know, I was still dealing with some things, and I didn't have no furniture. I was only getting child support, didn't have no job. I was getting maybe $239 one week and maybe $159 this week, Um but I was making it by the grace of God, and God allowed me to meet a couple, a married couple, and God had laid it in their heart to furnish my entire house. And then after that, my, my oldest son got into some trouble, and he kept getting into trouble. And then I met another lady at another church in Virginia, and God took me there. And I was there for four, four or five years until, I, you know, I left. And I still had to go through a lot of things, you know. Even though God was, you know, opened the doors for me and I was stepping through the doors, I still had to go through some stuff. Even when I moved to Virginia, my kids had to go into foster care again. And not because I didn't have a place to stay, because I did, because once again, I still was dealing with a lot of things on the inside of me and I couldn't cope with reality, as some would say. And God opened up the door. He blessed me with a nice job. I, you know, I had a job working for the government, had a, you know, had, had things, you know, made, but it mm-hmm. was still, I was still battling me. And my kids was put in foster care for six months. Um, my oldest son, I had to experience my oldest son. Um, went to school one day, and he went missing for two years. Wow. Um, so we, we, he, you know, couldn't find him, couldn't find him at all. And that testimony is I went to church, and I didn't, I, that's when I first learned that we had ministering angels that God has assigned to our life. And that's what the bishop had taught on that Sunday, that Wednesday night. I went home, and the enemy, I heard gunshots out my window, and I heard the enemy say, I just killed your son. I jumped up. I said, no, you didn't. My son is alive. And I just immediately shouted out in the atmosphere. I said, angels, go get my son. I went to work the next day, and the police called me on the phone, and they said, Miss um, Barry, and I said, yes. They said, you sit down. I said, yes. They said, we found your son. In Minister London, it was two years to the exact date wow. that my son was missing. Wow. Two years to the exact date. And all I could do was tell my boss, look, I got to go see you later. I, I just left out the office, left everything, just went on, got in my car, just went. And, you know, even through all of that, I still, you know, there were still things that I was dealing with, still, you know, stuff that mm-hmm. I was going through. 
you know, still issues that I was facing. You know, I still harboring the unforgiveness on the inside of me. I still had some hurt. I still had some pain. My low self, my self esteem was still kind of low. I mean, even though it was getting to the point where God needs to be, but it was still low. I still really didn't care. You know, I, I still didn't see. I wasn't seeing what I needed to see. You know, from dealing with that, um, it, it was it was so much. And then I had to move, and I felt myself, you know, moving from one place to another place. Then I found myself, me and my kids, was homeless yet again. So that made three times, four, four or three times that we was homeless. And we was homeless again, and me and my children, you know, we experienced sleeping in a car, um, one night, and I tell women, don't get caught up with no man. <laughs> I'm telling you, don't. No good, uh, uh, no good man at that. Not one that's sent by God, but when you pick them on your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we, I slept, me and my kids, we slept in a car on the side of a car wash. Wow. And I was so hurt. It was like, Lord, what in the world? And after that, we uh, came back and went to the church. I really didn't want to go back to the church because I was just fed up. Mm-hmm. I was just, Lord, I'm just tired. But I, I went back to the church, and I went to the hotel, and we stayed into um, a shelter, a family shelter. And when I got there, I said, God, this is not me. It was like. I couldn't. I didn't see myself living in no shelter, even though I lived in a shelter before. But where I was at in my life at that time, I was like, Lord, this is not me. Why do I gotta be here? I don't want to be here, Lord. I was, you know, all of that coming out of mm-hmm. my mind, out of my flesh. I don't want to be here. You know, I still had, I still had my job. I still had my car. I just didn't have no place to go but the shelter. And I said, God, I can't be here. And I went and tried to get apartments at the apartments, but nothing wouldn't come through. And I was like, God, I'm so tired. And it was almost to the point where I was just going to just walk away from the church and just give up and say, God, I don't care anymore. I ain't coming back. And, you know, I actually did that minister London. I actually told God one time, I'm not going, I'm not coming back to church. And I got it, got with me that night and told me, I'm not moved by your emotions. I don't, I'm not moved by your pity party. You know, all of those things. And when I finally got into a house, God blessed me and my children with another house. And, you know, I still had the job, still had the car. And then it all went away again. I, it was like, okay, God, what is going on? God gave me a dream, told me I was going to get fired off my job. I love my job. I, you know, make a lot of money when you work for the government. And I didn't really pay no mind, but I wasn't paying my spirit man any mind. Mm-hmm. But my flesh was like, whatever. But my spirit man already knew. And when the day came, it was the day after my daughter graduated middle school, and they called me into the office, and they said they had to let me go. They said, do you need a box? I said, no. It didn't really dawn on me that I cleaned out my entire office. 
until that day. They called me in the office. I said, no, I only have my purse. They escorted me off the property because for anybody that's listening, if you know you work for the government at certain yeah. buildings and facilities, they have to escort you off the property. <laughs> <laughs> and when you come back, they lock you up. <laughs> um, so I was sitting there, but before then, I had to give back a brand-new car. Wow. Mm-hmm. God said, get a car back. Then after I did that, then God said, you're going to lose your house, too. I was like, Lord Jesus. And I sat at the bus stop waiting for one of the girls from the church to come and get me, and I just started crying. And I always tell people, I wasn't crying because I lost my job and I was about to lose my house and I had to get a car back. I mean, it kind of hurt it, though. But God sat beside me. He said, now you got all the time in the world to do what it is I told you to do. Wow. Do you do you think that, um, you know, the, the large part of that struggle in the beginning, you kept mentioning, you know, unforgiveness. Was it the yeah. unforgiveness from having gone through the domestic violence? From was it? I, I think it was because there was a point in time, it was on um, Christmas morning, and God had said to me, he said, you have really not forgiven him. And I said, God, yes, I did. You know, sometimes we try to argue with God and we try yeah. to think we win. Yeah. And I said, God, yes, I did. And God said, no, you didn't. God said, pick up the phone and call him and tell him you forgive him. And I was like, God, I don't know the number. I don't know where this person is. God said, pick up the phone and dial what I tell you to dial. So I picked up the phone and God began to speak the numbers in my spirit and I began to press the numbers in. Lo and behold, it was the right number. And wow. the person, you know, their wife got on the phone, she called us, and they put it on. And I don't know if nobody ever felt unforgiveness before, but God allowed me to feel the residue of unforgiveness. Even though God said, okay, you have forgiven him, but you have not completely forgiven him. And and it was like, okay, God, but I had to do it so that God, so I can move on. So I I began to tell a person, I forgive you. And when I said those words out of my mouth, it was as if somebody had a baseball or a ball in my belly. And as those words was coming out, I felt this ball, which was like unforgiveness, the residue of unforgiveness, come up my belly, up, you know, through my mm-hmm. esophagus, up my chest, and out of my mouth. And that's when God said, now you're free. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like I felt so light. Right. I felt like, wow, God. Was that still there? You know, the things that we right. sometimes fuck these around and we didn't forget about them. It was like, it was that. You and know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it, it was a good feeling because I felt really good afterwards. I had a smile on my face the whole week, and I just I just felt really good. Right, and you know, and, and you can share some light on this. For a woman who... Uh, 
has gone through an, uh, an abusive, physically abusive, verbally abusive, mentally abusive relationship, when she comes out of that, you know, there is a lot of anger and a lot of bitterness, you know, which which if, if it's not dealt with will breed a whole lot of um, unnecessary struggles uh, mm-hmm. in her life. But it is a horrific type situation to be in. You know, it's not just, you know, um, uh, a shove here or push here. You know, women who are being physically beaten, um, mm-hmm. that is a horrific, you know. Sometimes, you know, people wonder why, you know, why doesn't she just leave? Why doesn't she just get out? It's not mm-hmm. that easy it's for not, her to just, yeah. it's not easy, even with children. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when that woman has children and she loves her kids, she is, really more trying to protect, there's a fear there, but she's really mm-hmm. protecting her children. She doesn't want to see anything happen uh, to her children, but um, coming out of that, um, if she doesn't get some type of help, then she can almost uh, either do some self-defeating, self-sabotaging mm-hmm. things, or mm-hmm. almost become just like what she just left out of, mm-hmm. you know. And then the unforgiveness sets in because, you know, I'm free. I'm, I'm, I'm well, free in, in respect to not being in the same location and house with him, you know, but I'm not free mentally because it still has an effect upon me emotionally, mentally. If she's not careful, it'll come out verbally. You know, when you talk, you could tell when she's, when there's, you know, uh, a lot of anger and bitterness about it, unforgiveness about it. You know, she doesn't really know, you know I'm out of it, but I don't know really, I just don't know what to do with my life now, you know. Uh, so she's, so she's like a fish out of water, so to speak, you know, uh, just wrestling with what do I do now and how do I mm-hmm. exist and, 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 you know, how do I live outside of domestic violence if that's all mm-hmm. I've known for for years, mm-hmm. for years. So it, what what um, uh, encouragement or word of advice would you give some a, a sister who's out of domestic violence but who is still harboring that unforgiveness? How important is it for her to release that? You know, the the one thing you said was they're out of it. But in actuality, in their mind, they're still in it. Right. Because it becomes mentally embedded within their mind. So even though they're out physically, but mentally, they're still in it because they close their eyes at night and they still they see it. They have nightmares. And I, I talk to a lot of women every day, um, not just here in the United States, but other women in other countries too. And they always say, "Okay, I'm out, but I, I how, how can I get completely out?" And I always say, the, "The best thing is first forgive yourself, you know, because we got to forgive ourselves too." So right. Absolutely. Even though we may have not done anything. But forgive yourself from holding, you know, all that stuff in. Right. Then after after you start that process of forgiving yourself, you know, because you can you condemn your a lot of women condemn themselves, beat themselves up. Forgive yourself, and then after that, you work on forgiving a person. You may not never forget, right? But you can forgive them so you can move on, especially those women that have children. You have to forgive, you know, because 
later on, you know, just even though, you know, because a lot of women that I talked to, not only they were abused, but their children was abused. And that, that was the case for me. Not only was I abused, but my son was being abused too. And before I had my daughter, I was already long gone. It's it's hard, you know, because you 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 it's like you can't grasp hold of reality, you know, because you know you just spent so many years getting the crap beat out of you, you know, right. mm-hmm. you know, be, being put in a hospital, you have to lie to the doctors and the nurses on how you get got the bruises and cuts on your body and face and stuff. You know, that's a hard thing for a woman to do on the yes. hurting on the inside. And I always say, first you forgive yourself, then you forgive the other person, and then you go get help. You know, right. even, you know, some women, you may say, I don't want counseling. I don't believe in counseling. But I'm telling you, it works. It works. You know, yes. God, God. Even though God is the best counselor, but he also gave, gave us a mind to use wisdom. Absolutely. And it helps. You know, even if it's, you know, you, you may have to talk about it. It may take you years and years to get, you know, to get it out of your system. Because the one thing you, you do when you go to counseling, whether it's, you know, psychological counseling, seeing a therapist or a regular counseling, or some people may refer, prefer spiritual counseling. The one thing that you may not like is they're going to they're gonna take you all the way back to where it first yes. began. Yes. And a lot of women tell me, well, Sharita, I really don't want to go back that far. And I say, you got to. You have to in order for you to get through it. I, and I always tell them, I had to. I had to. You know, not only that, I had to go all the way back from when I was molested and raped and stuff like that. Right. You, you know, got to find the root cause of Yeah. And the, the, the root cause. The root cause of some women being and getting into those relationships. Number one is that a lot of women try to find love. You know, either you know they may have you know some women been raped, some women have been molested, and that's all they know. You know, and so they grow up in certain environments. Some women may have not been raped or molested when they were younger. Some women grew up in environments where they saw yeah. their mother being abused or their father being abused, and that's all they know, you know. And because that's all they know and nobody has never taught them, this is not love when a man beat on you, you know. This this is not love. But nobody has taught a lot of women that so they, that they, the root of it is, okay, this is love. You know, I'm trying to find love, but they find love in the wrong places with the wrong person, you know, because they don't know what, you know, where that, what type of family they come from. And that's one thing that I had learned when I was abused, being abused. I had learned that the, my abuser was abused when he was a child. Mm. So, and I think, yeah... Yeah, I think we we need to really. Uh, a lot of churches are evolving and doing more uh, teaching on that, and I think uh, we we need to see more of that. We need to see more women women's ministries uh, dealing with um, 
these type of issues, domestic violence, sexual abuse, uh, mental abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, you know, because they all have a uh, self-debilitating uh, uh, element to them that will cause a person to start uh, having some uh, disbelief and doubt about themselves, low self-esteem, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. And so we have to find a way to... Um, bring that teaching more so into the church with the healing element included in the teaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I want the listening audience to know about an uh, an area of ministry that you're doing. It's called the uh, Woman Within Me Network. You know, tell us about that. Tell us how it came about and what it's all about. Um, the Woman Within Me Network, um, before it became the Woman Within Me Network, it was called... Um, I had to name them right on my hand. But it was called the Empower Women to Empower Each Other. And then one day God told me to change it to the one that was with me. Um, a couple of years back, I did um, a teaching to a group of women dealing with the woman within me. And so God told me to change the network to the one, you know, the one within me network. And some of the things that it's, it's like a mentoring group, and we talk about things that is not talked about in the church. We talked about issues that may not or may be talked in counseling sessions or group sessions from HIV to AIDS. Um, we try to educate the women on these, you know, different things, um, STDs, molest, you know, what, talk to women that have been raped, molested, um, being a single parent raising boys or being a single parent raising more than one child. And we, we talk about a lot of issues that women have to go through each and every day from, you know, us women, we we wear many hats. When to take off one hat to put on the next hat. You know, how to, you know, overcome, like when you talk about unforgiveness, how to overcome your fears, how to step out, you know, to accomplish the goals and, you know, different things in life. Yes. Okay. So what, um, um, do you have some words of encouragement or a few minutes of teaching that you can give us um, for a few minutes uh, that will empower women? So we're going to yield to you and uh, receive your teaching at this time. I just want to encourage the women on today um, to just to let you know that there's some there's other women out there that have been through what you're going through. It may not be the same, but they've been through what you went through or are going through now. They walk through walk the road. And I just wanna let you know you're not by yourself. You don't have to go through what you're going through by yourself. Even though we have a creator up in heaven, which his name is God that's on the throne, and he's the ultimate healer, and we are overcomers by our testimony. But I noticed that a lot of you all women out there tend to hold stuff in, but I'm here to encourage you today that now you can release those things in you. There is a woman, and I'm talking about the woman that God has created and predestined you to be in this hour for destiny and his purpose that is crying out to be released. And there's some issues, some circumstances, some deep-rooted things within you. You may have swept it underneath the wall, but God is saying today that he wants to clean you out. He wants to clean clean your vessel out 
So even though you may not be perfect, and I know a lot of you say, well, I want to be perfect, but, but there's no perfect person but God himself. But God wants to perfect that very thing with, that, that is within you that needs to be perfected because you have a testimony for another woman that is coming behind you. See, lady, you have to go back and get in and help other women come out of their situations, come out of abuse, come out of the hurt, come out of the pain, come out of the shame. You know, it's time to let God uncover you. It's time to let God tear down the mask. You know, you may say, but I've been hurt for so long, but I'm here to tell you I've been hurt too. And I know it's another woman that may be listening can tell you the same thing. She's been hurt too. But we can all hold each other's hand, and we can encourage one another. We can uplift each other. We can make, make each other laugh, make each other smile, but you don't have to go through it alone because there's somebody out there that God has appointed to you, God has assigned to you to help you come through this trial. As I told them on Wednesday night, trial and error. You don't have to go through this trial and error. You can come out of out of it if you want to, but it's your choice because God ain't going to force you. I'm not going to force you. Minister London is not going to force you. Nobody, your pastor, whomever you may sit under, is not going to force you to come out of hurt. I told the woman on the other day that I have a special conduct, and God dropped in my spirit that it's time for us women to come up out of the grave. It's time for you to come up out of your grave. You've been in your grave too long. And don't, ain't you, don't, aren't you getting tired of being eaten up by the world? I know I was. It's time for you to dig yourself out of the mud, dig yourself out of the dirt, because there's, some, there's something on the inside of you which is greatness, like Minister London said in the beginning. You are pre, predestined because God knew you before the very foundations of this world. Before you was even thought of, before your mother and father thought of laying down and consummating the marriage or however, God put everything in you that he wanted to put in you for his purpose, for his design plan, for your destiny. And let me tell you, ladies, destiny is not going to come to you. You got to go to it. It's not going to ring your phone. It's not going to come in the mail. It's not going to knock on your door. It's not going to come by FedEx, DHL, UPS, or the postman. Destiny is waiting for you to walk towards it. So I encourage you, ladies, in spite of what it looks like, in spite of what it sounds like, in spite of what you've been dealing with, I'm talking about from from the time you was a little girl up until the point of today, it's time to release and let go. It's time to release, forgive, and let's walk this thing out so your healing can begin this thing. Not tomorrow because tomorrow is not promised to us, but God said that your healing can begin Wow. Amen. Amen. Uh, That is powerful. Um, Say that last part one more time. It's time to release and let go. (laughs) It's time to release and let go. Because God said your healing can begin today. Not tomorrow, because tomorrow is not promised you, but today you can release 
and let go so that your healing can begin. Amen. Amen. That's what it's all about. It's about knowing that God, you know, any of us can go through traumatic situations in life or horrific situations in life, but God doesn't intend for us to stay in those situations. And when we come out of it, we need to not just come out of it physically, like I'm no longer at that house, I'm no longer on that job, I'm no longer, you know, in that city. We got to come out of it spiritually, we got to come out of it uh, mentally, we got to come out of it uh, uh, emotionally. We have to come completely out. And that's where the help comes in. The word says two of better than one. None of us can do this by ourselves. No matter what, you know, you may not have been in a domestic violence situation or situation or maybe you weren't raped or maybe you weren't um uh verbally abused, but something may have happened to you that hindered your uh your uh journey to your destiny. And so whatever that may uh, have been, you must believe that you can come out of it and that, uh, that you know, sometimes obstacles get in the way, roadblocks, but God, God will equip us to, co- to go over hurdles, around roadblocks, speak to mountains so they can be removed. So we don't have to stay uh, in that same place in that doubt and unbelief, feeling like we have no way out. We do have a way out. God always provides a way out. And whenever you get um, a word, a prophetic word, like um, the prophet has just spoke to you, um, she doesn't really have to know you personally. She just needs a relationship with God because she's a mouthpiece for God. So when she speaks and God says this is for you, then you have to receive it in your spirit because unless you receive healing, you can't be healed. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was going to follow you and uh, do a teaching uh, on the the man that sat at the pool of Bethesda for thirty eight years. You know, you have to be, you have to, you have to receive it. We have to stop making excuses about why we are not where we should be. What happened to us? All it may, something may have happened to you, and you may have in counseling or, as she said, go back and revisit that so you can deal with the root cause of that thing. But you should not be sitting. Like this guy was sitting on his mat. You should not be sitting on your life because you had a bad experience. You should not be sitting on your life because, you know, you're crippled in your emotions because somebody hurt your feelings and you just never got over it. You shouldn't be sitting on your life because you have unforgiveness in your heart and you just refuse, refuse, refuse um, to forgive that person because what they did was so bad to you. And it may be true that what they did was was extremely hard, horrific to you, mm-hmm. but for your own well-being, mm-hmm. Forgive mm. because mm. while you're sitting down on that, while he's sitting at the pool at the mat, while you're sitting on your life, that person has gone on. Yeah. And so you mm-hmm. really are not hindering them. You're hindering yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they did the damage and they did the hurt. And you're, you're, you are, you, you're the one that's feeling the pain. You got the residue of it. But the bottom line is when you decide that you're going to sit on that mat and you're going to sit there for years and years and years making excuses about why you won't forgive, making excuses about why you won't get in the pool, making excuses about why you won't release it and let it go and move on with your life. Years and years have passed on, and you've missed a lot of destiny opportunities because you decided to sit on your life instead of living your life. And Mm -hmm. then, like this man, he's at the pool, and he got all these other sick folks around him. What happens Mm. is, as my mom used to say, say they used to say in the country, misery loves company. So Mm. to make sure that you don't get healed, uh, women, what you do sometimes is you surround yourself with other women who are hurting in the same way or have the same type of pain 
that you're going through. And then you all start sharing those sad stories with each other and nobody gets healed. And you think you're encouraging one another and being there for one another. And the reality is both of you are doing for each other what is necessary to continue continue sitting on your life, you know. And so you really, at that point, you like this man, you're going to need a miracle. You Like like Prophet said, you're going to need God to step right on in and just speak straight to you because Jesus said, told the man, pick up your mat and go. You At this point, because you've been sitting so long on your own life, God has to come in and speak audibly to you and say, pick your life up. You've been sitting on it. I have more for you to do. I have places for you to go, right? I want yep. you, I, I got things for you to do. And as long as you sit here, as long as you're at this pool, as long as you're on your sitting on your life, you can't move. You can't do anything. And so you're missing all of those great things that God wants to do with your life. And um, I, I know it, it, it is hard. It's it's, it's um. The, the, the faith walk when you're walking out of uh, abusive relationships and situations and it, the faith walk is almost as hard as the beating, so, so to speak, just a, couple, yeah. a slight comparison, you know, because it's it's the, uh, you know, you got used to it at some point, maybe in some of the, the physical beatings, but you but but there's a possibility that each beating grew more intense. So mm-hmm. even though you knew it might was coming, you just didn't know how bad that one was going to be. So so when you when you're walking out, not only do you have to trust God, you gotta walk while you're still feeling that pain. You gotta step out in faith while you're still mm-hmm. feeling that pain. You know, you still you still feel it, but you gotta you gotta override that, get above that pain, and get into the spirit room and trust God. And that's the struggle. She, you know, is getting beyond that hurt and connecting to God so that you can walk in the fullness of life. You know, so in, uh, in, go ahead. In a- and another thing, Minister London, you also got to learn how to, you know, trust people again. Yes. yes. You got to learn how to trust people again. And sometimes women and men do it too, you know, to get hurt by somebody you don't trust anymore. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is, you know, you have to look back over that and say, um, you know, I, I have to look at what type of character did that person have that hurt me. And then I got to learn that there's people, there, there are people out there who don't have that character. So I can't make them suffer because I can miss out on a lifelong relationship trying to make somebody else suffer for what this person over here did to me. But, you know, at some point you got you must trust again because God has some righteous people in place. Yes, you know, he does. got some people walking in righteousness. And if you want uh, to live a fulfilled life, you're going to have to connect to some of them. You know, so you have to get to the place where you trust again. And that's where, as you said earlier, that's where the getting the help comes in at. That's where the counseling yeah. comes in, you know, whether it is therapeutic, whether it is just um, uh, uh, psychological counseling or whether it's spiritual counseling. That's where the counseling comes in. And the words that in, the, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And, and, you know, we have to get past the taboo of counseling and focus on the safety of counseling. You know, where, where is, you know, in this counseling session, there is safety. We know that because it's guarded by confidentiality laws and, you know, things like that. So there is safety. you got to get to that place. So when I go in here for the counseling, wherever you're going to get it, you know, uh, in the direct, under the direction of God, that there is safety. I'm safe in here. So I can say what I need to say. I can process what I need to so I can take in what I need to take in, and then I can be equipped and prepared and healed and go forth in my life. So um, you have another um, area that you work in it's called uh, Young Ladies with a Vision. Uh, tell us about that. 
Um, that's similar to almost the same as the woman within me, but the only difference is um, we do we have a women's center within it, and what we do is the educational um, piece. We help do the GED. We also help with um, financial aid. Um, those women or their children, or basically, it's open to anyone. You know, we don't. I don't discriminate based on sex or religion or age um, or ethnic background or gender. Um, we help with housing, housing counseling. You know, help people find adequate low. You know, especially we work with the low income families um, that need, that are in need of housing. We help them find affordable housing um, based on their income, or you know, if they're coming out of a transitional shelter, we help you know set that up with them. You know, getting into housing if they're coming from someone to come from a half, you know, coming straight out of prison and mm-hmm. they need housing. So we help you know put that in place. We do the after school program, daycare, and we also help families that are in need of mental health services find a mental health service, a provider, not just to help maybe the family, I mean, maybe the parent, but the entire family in a whole itself, um, along with other outreach things that we do in the neighborhood, in the community, um, food, clothing, mm-hmm. um, activities, okay. and, you know, like that. Okay, wonderful. Um, uh, and there is another uh, area that you work on. Uh, program that you have and of course as I told y'all earlier she had a lot going on here you know and so it's really great and then um, it's called transition to change so before we talk about your business let's talk about transition to change transition to change is something that God gave me it's um, a women and children shelter for women that have maybe been displaced to no fault of their own or some women, you know, are um, displaced because of they can't afford their rent, and then we have women that are coming from the prison system. And something that I'm working to get up and running before the end of the year um, to house those women and children. Um, one of the um, things is a lot of women that I talk to, they have um, sons that are older. Their sons may be 15 or 16 or 17 or 18 years old still. You know, maybe they have a son 19 or 20 years old still living at home, but, you know, in school. And a lot of things that they come across is a lot of the transitional shelters does not let their son, their older son come in. They cut off at maybe 12 years old. They cut off some of them maybe at 13, some of them maybe at 14. But a lot of them not understanding that, okay, I have a, you know, they have a son that is 16, 17, 18, 19, and maybe possibly 20 that still lives with the parent. So one of the things that God had me to open up the the the, the home to women that have, old, you know, that may have, you know, they have daughters too, but have older sons as well and that can come and live with their parents. So, you know, because a lot of families get split up when they go into transitional shelters. Um, how I know because I had experienced it myself when I first went to a transitional shelter. My older son um, was 13 and 14. They couldn't, you know, 13 and 15, they couldn't be in the transitional shelter with me. They had to go, instead of me putting them over with the men, I had to go send them to live with my sister. So most of the time, a lot of transitional shelters and shelters will put the older boys over into the men's shelter 
And what we do is we allow the parent to bring that older child with that older son with them, but we have rules and stipulations that are put mm-hmm. in place so there will be no chaos and no confusion and no other, you know, mess mm-hmm. that, is, that will come in. So we, you know, let them come in with the rules and the guidelines, and that's one of the things that I'm working to get up and running before this year is out. Even though we we do not have the house yet, but, I'm still, you know, taking applications and doing intake. Yeah. So once the house is open, we already have, you know, the first set mm-hmm. of women and their children to come in. Some people say, well, why are you doing that now and you don't even have the house? I said, because I'm I'm getting prepared. Right. Even though some of these women are still in prison, when they, it may be two years when they, you know, some of women we have already application for, they're not coming out until next year. But and when they come out, they coming out with nowhere to go. They coming out and they getting their children back with nowhere to go. So we have to set in place. Okay, when you come out, we'll have some place for you to go, you and your child, until you get stable housing. And within the transition change, you know there are classes you have to take. You know counseling classes. Um, if you need mental health because we do realize that a lot of women that we work with do have mental health issues. I talk to a lot of women that do have mental health issues, I should say that. Mm-hmm. And some, you know, women may need, um, they want to go back to school to their GED. So one of the requirements is, is that if you don't work, you got to go to school. There's no if, ands, and buts. It's either if you have your high school diploma, if you want a job, we'll help you find a job. But in order for you to stay here, you must be working or in type of some type of kind of you know mm-hmm. job training program, right. or you're in school getting your GED, or you're in college. You know, you just can't come and say, you know, I'm here, but you're not going to do nothing. You're going to do something because I don't believe in sitting down doing nothing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, amen. You know, you you got to you know the de- mm-hmm. your mind is the devil's playground. So what? I'm wanting yeah. to know you got to be doing something. You know, if you go out there sweep the street, that's something. That's that's a job right there. So right. Yeah, and what 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 is if somebody somebody on the uh, listening by internet or by phone may um, have that same type of dream in another city and state, you know, to start a transition home or uh, something like that. What are a couple of simple um, tips that you can give her um, to get started? You know, um, that's funny because there's another young lady in Tennessee that wants me to come all the way there to start that to open up one there. Um, in the process of doing that. Um, some of the tips is first, you know, do your research in your um state to see what the rules and regulations are. Um, visit your local social service um area, um, visit your local health department health department, you know, because there's a lot of things that, you know, goes in with that as well. Um, do you know, do your 501c3 if you want to be nonprofit and receive grants and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Get incorporated, pick your name out, what, you know, whatever vision mm-hmm. you guys give you. Write, write the plan first. Write the yes. vision first. 
That's what I should have said. Write the vision first. Thank you, God. Write the vision first and then put the vision into action. You know, talk to people. Go visit other transitional shelters and see how they run. You know, get on the Internet. Get on Google and, and look up. Go to different transitional sites websites and look at their policies and procedures and how they run things and get on the phone and go take tours and see how they run it. Yes. You know, don't, don't, and my thing is, don't copy. Don't copy somebody else's program. Whatever God gave you, if it is your desire to open up a transitional house and when you begin to write your vision, you, you do everything he told you to do step by step. But don't copy nobody else because what God gave you is totally unique. Right, absolutely. Totally you know, I, you know. Sometimes we do uh, seminars here and in, in, in this local area, and people say that they want to start group homes and they want to start women's shelters and uh, all those different things. And then when you ask them, you know, have you ever volunteered at one? Have you ever gone to visit one? You know, have you done your homework? You know, have you done the research? Have you talked to somebody about how it should be set up? And their answers be, you know, the answer comes back no, and they think that they just know how to do it. And you try to tell them, you know, it could be. A God idea, but you have to equip yourself. You have to be knowledgeable of some basic things. You can't just open up a house and just have folks come in there. You know, you got to have it structured. You got to have everything in place and know what you should do. You know, like they don't know they should, you know, they want grants, but don't know they should be 501c3s, you know. So um, sometimes, you know, we have great God ideas that all God ideas are great, but we could be given the God gives us ideas, and we don't stop to develop those ideas, meaning we don't ponder it, we don't think, we don't do our research, as she said. You know, um, it's not going to take away from your vision just because you go talk to somebody to find out, you know, uh, uh, you know what, what, what uh, intake forms are they using or what's on the form or, you know, those kind of things, where you're getting your furniture from or, you know, or, you know how do you determine who comes in here? How long do they stay, you know? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, people have visions and they don't want anybody to tell them. You know, they they just think they know it and you don't just know everything. Even in ministry, you just don't know it until you allow yourself to be trained by somebody or taught by by somebody how to do it. And, And that's the thing that a lot of people run into, you know, a lot of us, even though I tell people God give us things for ourselves, but he also gives us stuff to share with others. Yes. And I tell a lot of people, I don't mind sharing, you know, because I know it every, all the same for me. So, you know, I try to, you know, encourage women, if you want to start the, you know, the how, you know, open up the home and open up a group home or, you know, even if it's for children, women, or elderly, you know, there's somebody that is willing to show you how it's done. One of the things that I did is, I, you know, even though I don't have the home yet, the house yet, but I know it's coming, I started working on different things. I typed up my intake forms, you know, and things mm-hmm. like that. I went and did my research, and I created all my in, my intake forms, and I put them in folders and different things like that. I saved copies to my computer so that, you know, it can be print, I printed out when we have people coming in. So those things, um, the the um, HIPAA policy law, I right. type the stuff up in because you got to know that this stuff got, you know, there's things you have to 
have in confidentiality. I went and got the template to type up a confidentiality form so you can have all those things in place. So when it's time to open, you don't have to be running everywhere and say, I got to get there, I got to get this, I got to get it. You already have it. You already have it. And you, and you don't, yeah, you don't want any surprises. So do your th- thorough research. Do your homework, you know, and one lady one time here wanted to open up a shelter for abused women, and she had never worked with abused women before. She was not coming out of abusive relationships. She just had a heart, you know, for them. And so my suggestion to her while she was waiting for it to come to pass or to to come into fruition was go to the local battered women's program here, go through their six-week training program, which was free. Go through there, get the necessary information, learn about domestic violence, learn about the power and control, and learn about the cycle of it and what happens. And uh, then start um, uh, doing crisis phone counseling or uh, uh, one-on-one peer counseling through the organization. But that right there, when you do that, will avail you almost pretty much some really good information that you would have been, you know, almost like pulling out trying to find you would you have access to that information just because you went through the program and become a volunteer for for a, a certain period of time. But you get the training you need. You get free resources. They uh, had a battered women's shelter, so you get to see how they run the shelter. What type of forms do they use? You know, sometimes you know. All we have to do is just sacrifice a little bit, you know. So you'd have to give up maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays for the next four or five weeks to go through their training program. But through that training program, you're going to come into some knowledge you didn't have and and to be equipped to do what it is that you want to do, you know. So uh, I want to, before we've got a few more minutes, because um, there might be some women on the line who are also uh, in business, um, and I want to encourage anybody who's listening who uh, has a similar testimony to Prophetess Berries, you know, coming out of an abusive situation where there was physical, ber- verbal, uh, sexual, whatever, you know, when God brings you out, he still has great things in store for your life. So don't let the enemy trick you into making you believe that you're no good, you're not worth anything. Oh, yeah, you're not in it anymore, but you look at you, you're no good. That's a lie from the from the devil. God still has great things planned for your life. And so tell us about um, uh, Sharita Berry's Enterprise Solution. Um, Sharita Berry Enterprise Solution, what, what I do is I just started this the company, and what I do is I help those individuals or companies if they wanted to incorporate or become 501c3. I help them to um, get the incorporate papers together. I file them to, you know, the state, and I do all 50 states, and I, you know, help them get incorporated. They want the 501c3 S Corporation LLC. You know, we help set, you know, set all that paperwork up. Um, I'm do registered agent, you know, for the state of North Carolina only, as you know, for right now. And also, we do seminars on helping, you know, if companies wanted to bring in somebody to teach their employees how to motivate themselves at work. So I go in and I talk to them employees how to stay motivated while they're working. Uh, we do um, we have a virtual office. Um, where you, if you need a virtual, if you if you're a stay-at-home mom and you want to earn extra money, we are partnered with a virtual um, employer that offers jobs for people that want to earn extra money. Um, 
and different things like that. We help set up basic businesses, like we help you get started. We don't go out there and start the business for you, but we just give out, you know, business ideas on, you know, different tips mm-hmm. on how to do this. And, you know, what you can, you know, almost if we're coming in critiquing your business, like, okay, you've been doing this for so long, how about trying this? You know, you, you've been making profit off of this, but now the profit has gone down. Have you ever thought about doing this, you know, to boost the profits up in your business? Um, businesses that may be just starting, I also create the employee handbooks for businesses that are in need of them as well. They have a large employee base. We come in and we do the employee handbooks and different things like that. Okay. Wonderful. So, you know, that's, that's just great. So we have uh, just a few more minutes. Um, uh, if you uh, are listening by phone and you uh, have a question or a comment, you can press the number one on your phone, and it will indicate to me that you have a comment or a question. And uh, if you're in the chat room, um, in order to post your question or comment in the chat room, you actually have to be uh, uh, registered on Blog Talk Radio Show Block Talk Radio as a listener, so that you can actually comment in the chat, chat, chat room. I don't think you can comment if you just if it just says guest. I don't think you'll be able to comment. So if you do have a question or comment, you will actually have to call in to area code six four six nine two nine two four three one if you have it. So it looks like we um and and normally what I do is I call out your area code. And so um, if you have a comment or a question and um uh. So it looks like there is a comment or a question from someone with the area code with 404, unless they accidentally hit the number one. So we're going to bring you on so we can um, uh, see, hear what your comment or question is. Hello. Hi. 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 Um, I actually just popped on Facebook, and I saw um, Minister Ginger London had this show. I kind of clicked in to see what y'all were talking about. So I caught the tail end. But I read in the description that um, you have overcome the fear. I'm sorry, I have a baby. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, you have overcome sexual and mental abuse. And um, I'm really kind of desperate <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, my husband was sexually abusive to me. Um, it's been about eight years. He stopped now. He um, has, hasn't done it. Um, he's a new man, <laughs> you know. Um, turn his life over to Christ and all, but I still find that I have issues. Like, I, sometimes I feel free and sometimes I feel like I don't want him to touch me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, I'm kind of tired of going through the process. I'm, I'm tired of the cycle. I saw that Minister Ginger said, you know, come pour out because God wants to clean us out to change us. And, and, and I'm tired. I'm yeah. tired. Yes. No, yes. Well, this is Minister Ginger talking to you. So I'm gonna let Prophetess uh, Barry speak, and then I'll come behind her. And okay. uh, yeah, yeah, Prophetess Barry. The first thing that you admitted is that you're tired. Yes. That's the first thing that you admitted, and that's a good sign. You know that you can't come forward and out to say that you are tired. And now the next step is to forgive yourself, you know, because you're still holding on to these things. You know, your husband has changed and God has, you know, God is making him a new man, 
But now it's time for you to heal. Yes. You know, it's time for you to forgive yourself. And then I don't know if you have forgiven your husband or not. I don't know if you have gone to him and actually sat down with him and had a one-on-one conversation. You know, because sometimes you gotta revisit your, you gotta revisit the past to overcome, you know, overcome the pain. And, you know, I thought, and, you know, I don't know that I, I had because we've had these conversations, and and you know, I don't even really think about it to be honest. I don't remember mm-hmm. it. I'm not rehashing it. Um, I could care, I couldn't care less about it anymore. I just can't understand. While we'll go through a period of like maybe two or three months where we're okay in the intimacy area, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> um, I just don't want him to touch me anymore. And it's not even there's a something, There's something that's still within you that you're right. dealing, there's something you're still dealing with on the inside that you have not let go. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's why you're still. That's why every so often this cycle takes place every three months because it is a cycle because there's something in you that you have to deal with and it, is, it may be something yes you said you, you don't think about it but there's something deep within your conscious mind that something triggers this episode for every three months something happens in your marriage every three months that you don't that you cannot see. Yeah, you but know, God it's, needs yeah. to see. Yes. It, and go ahead. Go ahead, Minister London. No, go, you finish, go ahead. I'm going to let you finish. And that's how come it's an every three month cycle because there's a trigger. There's something that you're not noticing that you need to notice. Your husband may not see it, he may do see it. But he may see it and don't take no mind. But now it's not your husband. He he probably then forgot about it, get for you know, moved on and starting afresh. But now it's time for you to see what you're missing so this cycle can break. So it's actually a change. I'm just put it like that. It's a change. It's a tie that needs to be untied. And it's a past thing that needs to be broken off of you. So that you can move on, right? Oh, I mean, how do I? How you need? How do I? I get that. <laughs> yeah. I, I fast. I go to church. Yeah. I get at the altar. Okay. Many different ministries. I say I'm free, and I'm not. Or I really am free, but I don't experience it. And then here it comes again. And I say, Lord, is this it? This time, am I really free? And 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 then I'll hear him say yes, and then we'll go back. <laughs> it's been um, yeah. yeah. You know, it sounds like it sounds like this. Yeah, it sounds like what you did initially was you blocked it out. It's just like a kid who goes through uh, physical or sexual abuse. At some point, they learn how to block it out. You know, like as if it didn't even exist. And so then it surfaces back up. Let me ask you a question: um, Has has your husband ever apologized? Yes, many times. He's apologized. Okay, okay. So you have. Sincere, you know, because okay. he's different, obviously. Right. Different. But, okay, so you, if he apologized many times, you're yes. going to have, number one, resolve within yourself that you are honestly and sincerely going to accept that apology. See, even though he apologized, 
there's a part of you that may indirectly or like subconsciously has rejected the apology because you maybe, maybe, may not be thinking that just apologizing to me is not enough. You know, so if you're going to release him, you got to release him without him owing you anything. Well, how do I know that I haven't done that? <laughs> because because you, really... uh, let me tell you, well, you know that because you're still crying about it and you still say sometimes you leave it at the altar and every few months it shows up. So there is something in that healing process that you haven't grabbed hold on to and actually went full circle with. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, cry is the cycle. <laughs> yeah. So 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 even though you said I laid it at the altar, I gave it to God. There is something in the healing process that when you got to a particular stage of it, you said, Mm-mm. even if you didn't say it out loud with your mouth in your spirit, no. You know, so you have to make a decision. Not that you haven't, but let's start all over and say I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to release this. I'm going to forgive my husband. I'm going to forgive myself. And then you have you you didn't you didn't hear the first part of the um the show. One of the things that Prophet Terry said, I agree with it. Said now I have to get some help. Okay, so if uh, I don't know what city and state you live in, you may need to find. Um, a uh, a women's uh, organization or uh, program in your city that helps women who have been uh, physically, sexually, emotionally, mentally abused and get some one-on-one individual counseling or go to group therapy. And you need to go in a safe environment where you can process the feelings that you're having about what, even though he's changed, you still have those feelings um, that linger there as a result of what he's done to you. And the only way you're going to get free is you're going to have to find a breaking, as she said, where you can release that. There has to be a breaking in your spirit that releases that. Because right now there's something you're holding on to. So your outer man, and what I mean by that is your will, your emotions, uh, all that has to break so the spirit of God can release the, the heal through you and allow you to experience that more your life and feel that. Okay. So it's not that you make a really good stride and really good um, uh, effort uh, to get there. The, the hidden, the, the missing link, so to speak, is you haven't identified what it is that you're holding on to. And we know it affects you because that's what it's here. And it's something that so even you may not on your own able to put your finger on what it is. That's why you know. You yeah. gotta get the help. You gotta get the help. Sometimes you know, don't realize to find a good Christian counselor, if you will, that that um, has an uh, expert in that area, and and try start there. If you don't have someone in your place like that, find a good Christian counselor in your area that specializes in this particular issue you're dealing with, and let them help you so you can point where that what that is that keeps up in. And you know that you're aware of it. You know how I know that you can tell us that it comes up every three months. You didn't say every so often. specifically said every three months. So that means that you may not be able to put your feet on it, but you have kept up with it enough to be able to identify that in the next three months, this thing going to show back up. So you yeah. know exactly when it, at what time period it's going to show up. And so you got to get some help with that. Um, Prophet is very. Yeah. 
getting us uh, yeah, but yeah, anything else? And even if you have to go to counseling, you know, just for yourself. It's nothing wrong with it. Right. You know, whether it's, you know, spiritual counseling or outside counseling. You can have somebody to talk to so that you can get over this. So that you can, you know, so that so the process of your healing can begin. So you can break the cycle. Because if you don't break the cycle, it's going to continue to go on and on and on. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Amen. And then the next thing you you if you don't break the cycle, you know you gotta. And if you have children, you gotta look at them because they're watching you go through this cycle. Yeah. You know, and you don't know. Because I always tell people when we go through, our children go through. You don't know what's in your child's mind when they say you go through this cycle every three months. Yeah. So it's it's okay to get counseling. I don't care what nobody says. Right. It's, it's okay. okay to get counseling. It's okay to get spiritual counseling or outside counseling. It's okay. You're getting help. You're getting help. You're getting help. You know, even if you have to do your husband in on it, it's still okay. Yeah. Because he, he'll be your support in getting through it. Right. And just on that note, I agree with that. On that note, but do it. Go first, um, alone first, because there may be some things that you discover that you may not necessarily want to say in front of him. You know, unless you know he goes with you sitting in the lobby trying to speak until baby time to bring him in. You know, just yeah. a compliment with Prophet is various saying that may be it may be something that as you said earlier that you missed. You can. You'll be able to go back and uh, listen to the replay of this show, but there may mm-hmm. be something in your past that even before your husband surfaced, you know, came into mm-hmm. your life that you may have to deal with it. You may not necessarily want, you know, um, that to be uh, disclosed, and it may not necessarily have to be disclosed to him, you know, but it's important that you get the healing. got to get to the root cause of all of this. And so um, are you... Um, um, you saw the post you uh one of the one of my friends on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay, just email me. Send me an email and uh and I'm gonna stay in contact with you. So send me an email with your uh phone number and everything and then I'll email you back and we'll set up a time where we can talk or you know with Prophet is Barry if you like. Um you're you're on e- on uh Facebook, right, Prophet? Yes. Huh? Yes. You can do the same thing, find her as well. And uh, email it. We can, you know, um, actually walk, help you walk, get started on this journey. And you can let us know, you know, we can talk back and forth back to you to find out, you know, what type of counselor you found. Um, you know, tell us what the brochure says and all that kind of stuff. You know, and kind of kind of coach you on um, this beginning journey so that you can get rid of this thing that continues to attach it to you. And, you know, because you want to enjoy. If your husband is a changed man, if God delivered your husband and regenerated him and brought him into the new life, you don't want to miss on the experience, the great joy that you can have with him. Amen? Amen? So let's have a word of prayer with you right quick. Um, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for bless your name. You've heard this heart, Lord God. Your word says that it delights in you, that you will give her desires of her heart. Your word also said that you sent forth your word to heal her from all of her 
destructions, Lord God. I pray right now that the word that has been deposited in her spirit through preaching, teaching in her church uh, ministry, Lord God, will spring forth, Lord, and birth in her being. Father, you know, uh, Father, what this thing is that's uh, hindering her and bothering her, that the enemy is trying to resurface every three months. We pray that you pull the covers back and expose it, Lord God, so that we can attack it in the spirit, Lord God. Yoke will be broken off of her neck and out of her neck, Lord God, so she can walk in freedom because your word says that where the is, there is liberty, there is freedom. And we stand in agreement that you're going to free her, Lord God, from whatever this is that's lingering in her life, that she will be new, that she will be delivered from any uh, of the aftermath of abuse, Lord God, and that she will walk in the fullness of your joy, Lord God, the church of joy. Be her strength. She's going to be restored to the righteousness that you have called her to. She can be the mother, the wife, mother of the woman of God that you have purpose for her to be. Father, and I set my faith in agreement with her that you shall bring her past that she will be healed 100% her. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Lord God. Prophet is very, uh, very. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, we just ask you to cover her mind on now. God, we bind up everything that's attacking that's her mind. God, we bind up all the hurt, all the pain, God, all the pain, all the shame. God, and we cast those things down into the bottom and sit. God, we ask you to touch her heart right now, God. Touch her body, touch her soul, God. And then wrap your arms around her, Lord God. Let her know that she is but there are other women out there that really should take the time to talk with her and walk these things out with us so that she can be free. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
God. Yes. That will begin, God, as she lay down and sleep yes. at night, Lord God. Speak into her ear gates, Lord God. In yes. the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mind, God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank Hallelujah. you right now, God. We bind up the spirit of depression right now. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Hallelujah. God. Hallelujah. Yes. the spirit of depression, the spirit of anxiety attacks. In the name of you, you ain't depressed no longer. You shall Hallelujah. be depressed. Yes, In the God. name of Jesus. Wipe your tears off your eyes. Get yourself up. Straighten yourself up, woman of God. And be the woman that God has called you to be. Be that yes. wife that took your husband. Be that mother that yes. took your children. In the name of, don't let depression kill you. In the mm-hmm. name of Jesus, yes. that's his ultimate goal to kill you. So we bind up the spirit of yes. depression that's over you right now. In the name of Jesus, name of Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We Hallelujah. into the bottom of the We bind up oppression and suppression. Yes. In the name of Jesus, we yes. bind the spirit of slothfulness and laziness up in the name of Jesus. Yes. So we cast yes. you to the bottom of it. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Yes. You are beautiful. I'm here to speak into your life for today. I'm so sorry, Minister London. Yes. In the name of Jesus. In the name of so Jesus. In your life on today. Yes. You are beautiful. In the name of Jesus. Yes. You are worthy. In the name of Jesus. You are worth more than rubies and gold. In the name of Jesus. You are a diamond in the rough. In the name of Jesus, yes. when God get finished with you, you shall be a diamond. In the name of Jesus, yes. hallelujah. You are a woman of worth. In the name of Jesus, don't, 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 we bind with the spirit of feeling inadequate. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. We cast that spirit into the bottomless pit. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah, thank you, yes. Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. hallelujah. You are a woman in the name of yes. Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. We buy yes. for the combination. Stop condemning yourself. Stop telling yourself that you ain't worthy to be touched by your husband. That's why God gave you a husband yes. in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He, he, your husband do love you. In the name of Jesus, we bind the spirit of feelings, frustration. You yes, in the name of Jesus. In the name of what you need to be frustrated for. In the name, we bind the spirit of anger, 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 anger. Helen, to stop being yes. angry. With stop getting angry with yourself. Stop beating yourself up. In the name, you don't got to beat yourself up. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. You want it yes. and you want it. For real, God said, if you want if God said, if you want to be delivered, he said, deliverance will be given unto you on this day. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. But God said, you can be set free from this thing. In the name of you, can, this cycle can break today if you want it to be broken off your life. In the name, you don't have to wait until you go to church on Sunday, go to church on Wednesday, or whatever time you go to church. But God said, a cycle can be broken off of your life. It's that this merry go round because that's what you put yourself on. You put yeah. your own. You put yourself on a merry go round, and God said mm-hmm. He is. He held a mini stop sign for you to get off, but you did not get off. You stayed on because the way you felt. But God said this. Day
pray, he held it up the stop sign. And he said, you can get off this merry-go-round and you can begin to live your life the way God intended it to live, for you to live it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stop beating yourself up, woman of God. Stop beating yourself up. In the name of you go and you look yourself in the mirror. And you when you look yourself in the mirror, you're looking at the image of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How he didn't credit you to beat yourself up or to condemn yourself or to put yourself down. And you rise up. You call your get out of your grave. Get out of your grave. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And live again. Live again, because it's time for you to start living again in the name of Jesus. Time for joy to come back in your life. Time for you to be happy about yourself in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Woman of God, I really pray that you have you receive the prayer, the words of encouragement, the words of direction for your life. Uh, just believe wholeheartedly that God wants to do a great work on the inside of you and wants you to be totally free from okay. this thing. Totally, totally free. Amen. Amen. So um so how do you feel now? Um I I I feel relieved. That mm-hmm. I actually reached out. I feel relieved that someone else agrees that I do need counseling. I um, a lot of things that you have spoken and the um, her prophetess have spoken have been things that God said to me even today. He said, "I came that you might have life and have it abundantly." Wow. Amen. Not living, and I said, "I want to live." Amen. 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 I want to live. Those are the words that you need to keep saying. I want to live. Don't let the enemy rob you. Don't let the enemy steal from you. You'll take your life from you and you know yeah. and have you living a defeated life or you know or, or you didn't you didn't hear it earlier. We talked about the man sitting at the pool of Bethesda. Don't sit on your life. You know, yeah. don't don't sit on top of your own life, not going mm-hmm. anywhere. You know, crippled yeah. in your emotions. You know, and missing out on the joy of your children, the joy of your husband. I want to live. That's where you want to stay in that that right there, in in that vein, where as God does His work on you. So again, reach out to us on Facebook, and okay. I will I'll stay connected to you. Um, and uh, so, uh, Prophetess, I want to thank you so much for joining us um, uh, on the show today. Um, uh, we've got to have you back on the show another time later. Amen. And so I want to thank everybody that's listening by phone and in the chat room um, that uh, may still be on with us. Um, God bless you. Thank you so very much. And uh, I love you. God bless you. And talk to you soon. So take care. God bless. God bless everyone. 